Welcome to the Miles Not Included podcast. I'm Joe. And I'm Brian. Run with us as we talk training, racing, and everything in between. Welcome to episode 8 of Miles Not Included. I'm your host, Brian, and with me as always is Joe. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing great, Brian. How are you? Doing pretty good, pretty good. How's your running this week? Uh, this week saw another uh, another cold one and a bunch of treadmill. I don't know. I didn't see. I saw you Saturday. I know you were outside. That was my only day out there. But uh, yeah, Monday through Friday, all all treadmill. wasn't too bad. It's just it's getting harder and harder as we go on and pile up these treadmill runs to keep the motivation going. But overall, can't complain. I, I ended up about ten percent less than last week, so I took a little bit of a step back. And most of that was attributed to, after that long run on Saturday, I was just a mess. I felt like I was getting sick. I grabbed about nine and a half hours of sleep and took a nap the day after. And so I figured it was probably best to uh, to take the day off, record zero miles, and move on with the week. So how about yourself? I'm sure you'll come back you know, a little stronger from that and sort of refresh your legs and hopefully refresh yourself for the impending treadmill week yeah i know i I, I saw the forecast more of the same (laughs) yeah so i increased about five percent this week uh at about 51 miles i think this week i really tried to focus on consistency i got in there monday and tuesday at six and a half miles wednesday went a little longer and hit seven and a half Thursday, Friday were each six and a half, and then I had my 18 miler with you on Saturday. So, you know, just trying to get in that rhythm, hit that six and a half, seven mile distance, and, you know, just really pound it home. Um, especially, it's been tough, as you said, and we've been repeating week after week with being on the treadmill. But at the same time, I think my 18 miler seemed a lot easier having been stuck on the treadmill for so long and just being able to get outside and yeah, it was cold. It was what, 25 degrees. And we really just got out there and felt good. It just felt good to be outside. It didn't matter that it was, you know, colder than usual, but do what you got to do, you know? Yeah. And that's what I was wondering if part of why I felt like the run was so hard is because I've been doing so much on the treadmill. We got out there, maybe we went a little bit faster because you got that. Okay. I'm not cooped up on the treadmill feeling. But yeah, I was wondering if if it was kind of a combination maybe of going a little bit faster out there and then just the fact that treadmills, you know, it's close to running on the roads, but, you know, just that little bit of difference and especially given, I mean, I don't know, I don't take the treadmill up and down too much. So when I get out on the roads and you hit the the natural uh, ups and downs, it's it's probably definitely a little bit, definitely harder than the uh, treadmill is. How far are we from uh, St. Louis? Do you know? I think we're, you know, I think we're almost, uh, I think we should be at the seven week mark right now. So yeah, so 50 days there, which is, I guess mentally for me, it's a nice mark. It's like, okay, we're not that far off. So hopefully that'll provide a little bit of motivation here as we eke out the last couple weeks of, well, hopefully the last couple weeks of winter. I thought we would be warmer than we, than we are, but, uh, but yeah, so I'm hoping that provides the motivation because you figure what seven weeks if we do another four or five weeks of heavy training, move into that taper mode, we're right there. So starting to get real. 
Yeah, and I'm, I'm starting to feel good with the mileage we've all been getting. Um, being in those higher miles on your weekend run, we've had, I believe you did an 18-miler last weekend as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, oh, last having, weekend? Yeah, last no. week. No, what, I did the... I did the uh, like the double uh, low double digits oh, back to back right. days. Yeah, right. I opted for the like the ten and the eleven instead of doing the one big eighteen. Which maybe that's why the eighteen this week felt so hard too. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done. You know what? That's a great point. I, the longest run to date was uh, sixteen, which was two weeks ago. So that's probably the other reason I felt extra tired. Gotcha. It, having done back-to-back 18s myself these past two weekends, you know, I'm I'm finally starting to feel the confidence in the distance. Uh, I'm guessing we'll probably do one or two more runs that are 18 to 22, somewhere in that range. You know, and being seven weeks out, we can get in a couple more of those and just you know build that confidence, build the strength in the legs. It'll hopefully bring us into a solid finish in St. Louis. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw they just came out. Did you see the revised course map? Yeah, I did check it out. It's It looks like a significant change, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, because I had heard the previous one was pretty tough, and this looks a little bit faster, a little bit flatter. Yeah, we'll find out. I don't know. I'm still a little bit dubious of their uh, their graphic for the, for the course profile, because they've got the scale between, what is it, like 300 and 600 feet? So... <laughs> So the little bumps don't look too bad at that scale, but uh, for us flatlanders, I'm sure it's still going to be uh, fairly challenging. Yeah, personally, my biggest fear is that catfish that they have drawn in the Mississippi River. I hope I don't come face to face with him because you never know with those guys, you know. He Well, he looked way downstream of the bridges we're going over, so I think you're safe there. Yeah, but remember, he's got seven weeks to get to the bridge. <laughs> He'll make it in time. We'll we'll see who wins, us or him. But yeah, it's kind of cool how now it, it, the race starts east now and goes into Illinois and then kind of loops back, um, back into St. Louis. And then I don't is it a park that goes through? I didn't. I haven't really looked at the map that closely. Uh, you know, as we get closer, I will go in and I'll drill down to exactly where we're going in Google Earth or one of those apps just to see where we're going specifically. But I yeah. haven't yet. Okay, yeah, I was more focused on the the profile rather than where it's running through. But anyway, I'm sure it's. I mean, it's, it's been redone, and um, yeah, I'm sure it's all for the better. Hopefully, hopefully for the faster, like we said too. Yeah, and I've seen a couple of people who've run it in the past on Twitter saying they're excited about the changes for this year. So I think it just had been a tough, tough course for the spring, and hopefully they're ironing out some of those issues and you know making it more runner friendly. Sure. Well, and I'm definitely not going to back up, back off the hills. Hopefully, we can continue getting out there. Maybe not every weekend, but at least every other weekend. And if we're over prepared, great. It'll just be that much easier. But yeah, I've, after seeing the uh, past reviews, it's. I mean, just that whole region is is much hillier than we're used to here in Chicago. So, should yeah, be a good challenge. And for the people who aren't from around the Illinois area, it is flat as a pancake. You know, we generally drive, I drive about at least a half hour to get to any hills. And even those aren't big by most people's standards. Yeah, exactly. The stuff we consider hills. I don't know if people in some of these other places like Colorado or where have you, if they even would, you know, oh, that's a bump in the road. (laughs) And we're complaining about it like it's a mountain. 
Yeah, well, there was a few. I guess when there's some of those we hit Saturday were just so short and steep. I don't even know if that's uh, if if they've got anything like that on the course. But if they do, I'll be prepared to slowly trudge up them and then out of control nosedive down them. <laughs> <laughs> got to make up the time somewhere. Yeah, hopefully. So you want to get into the episode? Yeah, let's do it. We'll be back after this. Welcome back. So today I was trolling Twitter, and I seem to notice a theme with a lot of the people I follow. And that was people seem to be getting hit a lot by the injury bug. I don't know if it's the cold weather. Not sure, you know, if it's just people overtraining, preparing for spring races. But a lot of people seem to be out there complaining about the injuries they've run into. So I figured, what better time to talk about it than now? So Joe, have you uh, experienced any injuries in your day? Way too many to count. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. This has been something that's plagued me since, um, I mean, I don't know, gosh, starting back in 98 when I trained for my first marathon, I had just a numerous injuries that I've come up against. And yeah, it's it's something that I anticipate. I mean, even now, um, having learned, quote, a lot about running, um, I mean, and get and age at at aging a lot of miles all that good stuff doesn't matter where you're at in your running career, yeah miles are certainly excuse me injuries are certainly an inevitable part of, of the running game. So what's your worst injury you've run into? Do you have one that really stands out, or or one that you know regularly comes back for you? Yeah, when I started, I had a lot of problems with shin splints. Uh, I ran in high school. And had a little bit of shin shin splint issues, and I was able to keep those at bay for the most part. Um, but after graduating college and just starting to ramp up, yeah, I spent probably better part of two years fighting shin splints, and that was just so frustrating. I uh, went to, I mean, I actually went to a doctor. That's how bad you know it got. <laughs> that's that's the that's the watermark for me is if you go to a doctor that means it's actually bad. But yeah, I went to actually a couple doctors, uh, tried a ton of different um things if you will. I backed off training, took time off, iced more flexibility, different running shoes, different surfaces, all kinds of stuff and it after I mean, I don't know if I ever really addressed the underlying cause, but after about 2 years it finally faded and I knock wood haven't haven't had that since but as of late I've had a lot of issues in the uh the hip area which I know you've got some areas some issues there too but yeah it's um just like soft tissue stuff in the hip and that's caused me I've probably missed the better part of if you add it all up probably about a year of running over the past three years four years uh trying to deal with the issues in the hips and we can talk about you know some of the same strategies there that I try to employ, but yeah, it's frustrating. You, you these things come on, and you, you try to do all the research, you ask around, but um, it's really hard to get to to what's happening. So I guess maybe a good point to start is you know detecting an injury. A, a lot of us, to your point, um, you know we we get injured or we start to feel pain, and we try to avoid addressing it especially the big step that you mentioned going to a doctor. Um, do you have any pointers from your side of how to know when 
an injury is coming, when it's starting, um, you know, when to really start thinking about changing your, your training plans or maybe your stretching plans or any of that type of stuff? Well, you, yeah, and one of the key points you hit on there, Brian, was pain, like trying to understand the difference between is like, is this muscle soreness? Is this just discomfort or pain? And one of the things that I've changed recently is I've really tried to back away from masking the pain. That was something that's super easy to do, right? Grab a bottle at the pharmacy or go to the doctor, get something harder. But it, it's fairly easy to try to mask the pain. And sometimes, you know, depending if you have a goal that's just right around the corner, that may make sense, but I, I've tried to, in general, just back away from loading up on uh, ibuprofen or something to to not feel it. But yeah, you, I think you want to try to assess it very quickly. And I mean, common sense. Yeah, I mean, if it's throwing off your stride, right? If you're if you can't walk normal, <laughs> you can't go upstairs, can't go downstairs. You know, I try to use that. You know, probably not worth running. And certainly if you're out there and, and the gate's messed up, you're just going to lead to something bigger. And I've I've been there, done that, where I've had a little issue with the knee. I'll just fight through that. And then that causes an issue in the hip. You know, it might be the opposite one, but right, there's that whole balance issue. So um, yeah, address it early and then yeah, take take a little bit of take a little bit of time off. Take a you know, cut a, cut back on the workout, cut back on the run, take a day or two off. I think makes sense. It's that ounce of ounce of prevention worth a pound of cure type thing, and uh, I, I think that's just just be smart about it. In my experience, is exactly the same as you mentioned about you know not trying to run through it if something is wrong. I think that's really what happened to me starting at the begin or sorry the end of 2013. I had Achilles tendonitis, and I decided it was a good idea to run through it. I came back, I think, too soon after that and just, you know, started pounding out the miles. And then I ran into IT band issues on the opposite side. So it was really my body countering the pain in the one side by putting more stress on the other side and just, you know, creating another injury on top of that. And then that led into the hip injury, which I don't think the injury itself in the hip was caused by that. But I think it was exaggerated by that. And, you know, I was I was forced to stop running for about two months because of my hip injury. And I think had I not, you know, been hobbling and my gait been slightly off, that I wouldn't have irritated that injury again. Yeah, that's it is it is all connected. And you, you, your story, I think, is common to so many people. It starts in one place and then flows to another where, yeah, you, you might have been able to at least mitigate some of that, right? If you would have backed off sooner, but it, it can be hard to tell um, what the difference is between something that's just discomfort, something that's, you know, truly injured. But I think most of us, if we really step back <laughs> and assess it, we, we probably can tell it's just, we can become over-focused on the goal. Like, you know, I've signed up, have to do it. I'm not going to back off. I'll worry about it later. And uh, sometimes it can, it can really cost you. And I think that's an excellent point too, is we tend to say, well, I've signed up for the race. I have to do the race. But at the end of the day, you're talking about being out, what, 100, 150 bucks for the race, maybe an airline ticket, but it's about your health. And, you know, if your goal is to one run one marathon in your lifetime, 
that's one thing. If this is your fifth marathon and you you're planning on doing a hundred marathons in your career, it's a completely different thing. So scrapping the race today will allow you to do that additional 99 races that you want to do. And there's always another race. I mean, look, look at the race calendars. You can, you know, so you take two weeks off. I guarantee you there's another race two weeks later. I think that's, that's a really good point, Brian, is taking that long-term view of things is, is good on so many levels. And especially if you're trying to achieve some type of long-term running goal, you, you have to take that because, yeah, you can potentially, if you're trying to do all 50 states or you're trying to get to Boston, you want to keep that in mind. And, you know, is this 5K half marathon, something like that, or even the marathon, is it worth it? Do I want to potentially risk that? to achieve something shorter. Uh, and that can be tough. Like you said, if you've signed up or your buddies are doing it, or if maybe you're raising money for charity, that can all become difficult things. I've had times when we've had vacations planned around a marathon and, you know, it's like, gosh, you know, what am I going to tell my wife? Like, am I going to be like, Hey, can't run. Or am I going to just go out there and, you know, tough it out and try to finish the race. So, um, but I, I, I do think taking that long-term view is, is the best way to uh, remain kind of the healthiest runner you can be. So let's talk a bit about prevention. Do you have any methods or tips you can suggest for people, you know, to obviously the best way to, to not get injured is to be, you know, prepared and healthy and, and just, you know, never get injured. Any suggestions there? Yeah, which some people are. I think some people are predisposed to not getting injured and some people are predisposed to getting injured. I liken it almost to, and I don't know if it's valid, but I liken it to, you know, how some people, you know, never get cavities and then other people take meticulous care of their, their dental hygiene and they get cavities. So yeah, there's a few things that I've found, um, that I've glommed on to, and there's no, there is no silver bullet, I guess is where I'm going. Um, but certainly one of those is massage therapy. I think that's a time-tested way to at least attempt to stay healthy. Uh, if you look at all the elites, they do it. Um, in, in the sport of running, it's certainly well-used. Um, cycling, all these endurance sports that beat up the body, you're going to see those people are going to massage therapy. My advice there is go as frequently as you can afford it. When I was kind of at my peak mileage, really trying for um, – you know, new PRs with every race. I was going every other or every three weeks. So it was expensive, but I was only doing it at the, you know, that frequency at the times where I was doing my hardest training. So I just factored that in and maybe that mass meant one less race. I would use, you know, the money I would have used for a race towards the massage therapy, you know, just figured out how to get it done. Um, but I really believe in the massage therapy. And on that note or similar, I, th I like the foam rolling. So, um, you know, there's different types of densities and different types of um, exercises, but the foam roller is, is certainly one of those tools that um, I adopted early. Actually, when I was going through some early physical therapy, um, I was introduced to the uh, foam roller and ended up buying one and now make sure I have one wherever I'm at. But, the, uh, but yeah, the, the foam roller, especially for the IT the IT band, which is extremely hard to get at any other way, um, even with 
massage therapy, um, you know, somebody digging in there versus the roller, the roller does a pretty good job. So definitely recommend foam rolling. And I, I throw it in there. I know some people put it before the run, but I try to spend 10, five, 10 minutes after each run, just getting all the major muscle groups. Um, so those are kind of the two big things I would say, um, that I do to specifically do the injury prevention. Uh, the third one, which I throw in there is some real light stretching afterwards. I'm not flexible by any, by any stretch. And again, this is one, if you look around, people have different amounts of flexibility and I don't think there's a huge correlation per se in injury. Um, but yeah, I try to just do some light, uh, light stretching so that hopefully by the time I'm in the old folks' home, I can still tie my own shoes because I have very, very little flexibility. So <laughs> I figure I'll preserve whatever I can for now. And I, I agree with you. Uh, I was very late to the foam roller game. Uh, the guys I run with regularly make fun of me because I used to avoid it. Uh, but all of a sudden, I started having these little injuries pop up, and I finally got out the foam roller one day and was like, wow, they're onto something. So ever since then, you know, I try to work in a little bit of time each day with the foam roller. I was just going to throw in there, Brian. I don't. I mean, not only just for helping get those knots out, but the other thing I like the foam roller for is sometimes it helps you discover where you do have pain. You know, if you've gone through that, where I'll feel like, gosh, my you know my right quad's really tight. That hurts, and you start rolling the left quad, and you're like, oh my gosh, that thing really hurts. So it's it, it's kind of a tool not only to help you heal but it can be a help for detection as well i i agree you know i've i've found my fair share of little knots here and there you know just because of trying to roll out a hip or you know whatnot so you mentioned stretching as well um i know there's a lot of studies that have been done recently that some will say stretching is fantastic some will say you know stretch before some will say stretch after some say don't stretch it won't help you in any way um, so I, I really encourage people to try stretching if you haven't yet and see how it is. See if you like it personally. I like to stretch a little bit beforehand, especially with the, uh, injury I have now, I tend to get a lot of tightness in my groin area when I'm running. So before I run, I just stretch for a good, you know, maybe two minutes, three minutes just to open it up a little bit. Um, but you know, it's really about finding out what works for you because, a study is great, but if you feel better doing it yourself, you know, get out there and do it for sure. So another, I have two other points that I would like to bring up, which are um, focusing on core. I think that is underestimated by a lot of runners, you know, just making sure your core is strong, whether you're doing yoga, whether you're doing sit-ups, um, you know, just making sure you have a solid core can help your running form and your running form then turns around into, you know, making your alignment straight and hopefully preventing some injuries there. And the other one I wanted to mention was sleep. Mm, and I point. think sleep is very underrated. A lot of people, you know, there's just so much going on in their life that they don't really, you know, take the full eight hours or they, you know, don't have the time or some people just don't want to, um, and I'm not saying you need eight hours, but whatever your number is to re truly refresh your body, you know, you're putting on a lot of miles, you're doing a lot of work, you need to make sure your body is recovering and sleep 
is the best time for your body to recover. So making sure you're getting good sleep is very important. That's a, that's a great that's a great call, Brian. I totally, I guess I take that as such a uh, given that it doesn't even come to mind. But yeah, the the especially during the the peak training, if you're doing just heavy loads or something new new to your body, yeah, you can't you can't go wrong with trying to get a little bit of sleep. It's you're not going to be a a cure all, but at least it maximizes your chances of of not only staying healthy in terms of um, the body not getting injured, but as you put stress on the body, uh, help fight off any kind of cold or anything like that that might might be coming with that as well. So we've talked about knowing when you're injured. We've talked about trying to stave off injury. Let's say you get injured. What are some rehab tips you have, Joe? Yeah, so I think we've talked about in previous episodes how I'm not necessarily a, a quote, good injured runner because I tend to... I tend to just get upset and, and want to not do anything. But the uh, one of the things I've done and I've had some success with that I think very few people actually do is pool running. Uh, it is extremely, I mean, take the treadmill times 10 in terms of how bad it, it sucks. But, um, but pool running is actually, it's, I think it's good for the body in that it's zero impact. Um, it, you can stress your aerobic system a little bit. But at least you're using a similar, kind of a similar motion uh, as you would with normal running. But it's, um, you know, it's it's com- something you can do just about no matter what the injury level's at. So I've I've had a lot of soft tissue stuff, but even with that, I've not quite haven't had to deal with stress fractures or anything. But uh, but regardless of the injury, usually you can get into the pool and, and get a workout in. You don't have to spend a ton of time. Um, I would probably, I would typically go 40, 45 minutes and just do whatever you can to help pass the time. Um, yeah, it makes that it, it's probably, I don't know. I would say every 10 minutes in the water is equivalent to like an hour on the treadmill. (laughs) I mean, it is just, it is just really rough in there. And I actually go to a, I go to a local place here where it's, it's a therapy pool. So they keep the pool (laughs) for, I don't know. I don't know what the temperature is. It's warm in there. It's not quite sauna. Um, so yeah, it's, it's extra challenging. So at least you feel like you're, you're working really hard cause you're, you're sweating like a pig. Uh, so, so pool running is one of those. The other thing I try to do is if I'm injured, even if I can't run, at least I try to get some steps in, try to walk. I know most runners don't want to go there. It's, there's not necessarily an equivalency. Um, but at least I feel like, you know what, you're on your feet. If you can, it's not, you know, it's not the type of injury where you're doing yourself any worse. I try to at least get some steps in, try to keep moving. Um, and then if I have to, I guess I will cross train um, reluctantly um, for a short period of time. And there actually, I, the only thing that I really, I, I really gravitate towards there is, is the bike. I think the bike for me, for the injuries I've had and for helping to pass the time, that seems to do the trick. It um, Again, it helps the aerobic system and it tends to be less stressful on the body. Yeah, and just you know, keeping that aerobic level high. And granted, the bike is a slightly different motion, slightly different muscles in, you know, used in different ways. You're still sort of in that motion of, you know, rolling your hips over and, and you know, that running momentum. Um, and that can be good to 
help you feel like you're still doing something towards your goal. And I think this sort of draws a line as well of you have to look at the seriousness of the injury, whether it's a, well, if I back off for a week and do some stuff on the side and just, you know, lessen that impact from running on the treadmill versus a, I'm in serious trouble here. I'm going to scrap this marathon, maybe reload in the next season where you can really take more time off. I think that comes into play. So I think for the shorter term things, yeah, you know, pool running, especially if you could find one of those um, rehab pools where they actually have the treadmill in them. I know those are tough to find, but you know, that I know I've seen some people running on those um, or heard of people running on those. And they say it's much better than just pool running. It's a little less boring because you're still, you, you have the treadmill under your feet and you, you aren't going anywhere, but you feel like you are because the treadmill's moving under you. Um, yeah. And a lot of the, the local uh, PT places now also have the zero G treadmills, um, not, not pool based, just the land based, but yeah, where they can it figure they can dial in a percentage of your body weight. So yeah, you could run with 80% of your body weight or 60% depending on the injury. Um, and or, uh, we have a buddy who's done that and he loves it. He, he thinks it's been great because you can get out there and at least get the workout in, um, in, it's a nice way to come back. If you get on the machine and you're at, let's say 60% of your body weight, come back a few days later, 65% of your body weight. So it's, it's a way to uh, get the body used to the motion and all the pounding again. So it's not, it's something between no running and running, um, kind of a cool tool tool. They're super expensive. So they're, uh, I think that's typically why you're only going to find them at uh, physical therapy places right now. And, uh, jumping back to your point about strength training, you know, I think that's one that's really good too. If you do have a longer term injury where you don't want to be using your legs, say you have a knee injury or an ankle injury, you know, doing upper body, you're still keeping in shape in general. Yeah. You're not in that running motion and you know, you may take a step back in that area, but you're still staying, staying healthy and keeping fit, which, you know, it, it's all going to help you when you, it does come time to get back out there and start running again. So there's one other thing that we forgot to mention in prevention that I think a lot of people overlook, shoes. So I know a lot of runners who put a lot of miles on their shoes. So something I want to recommend for everybody is, you know, keeping track of your miles on your shoes. And, you know, different people wear their shoes differently. So there is no magic number. But, you know, make sure you're not wearing your shoes too long. You want to still feel that support. A lot of people will go and they'll put on a brand new pair of shoes. It'll be exactly the same as the ones that they had. And they go, wow, these feel so much better. And that's because the new ones have all the cushioning in them. You know, they have all the support structures there. And in the old shoes, you've worn it out. They may look brand new. They may still be shiny. They may still be neon green. But, you know, just make sure that you have a, a good set of running shoes that really you're only using for running. That's a good call, Brian. Yeah, I think we've all we've all been guilty of that, trying to, I'll just get a new pair later. I like these. These are fine. I don't want to order a new pair. But, yeah, then when you get the new ones, you're like, gosh, I've been running in bricks. I think what goes hand in hand with the shoes then is probably should also mention running surface and uh I mean, it's a similar effect. If you can get, if you have access to dirt or uh, some sort of trail where it's going to give you a little more cushioning and you can get off the roads, 
I think that's another way to at least give yourself a better chance and, you know, a little more variety. It's going to be a different stress on the body. So I think that's a positive too versus just being on the road or just being on that treadmill or wherever you might go every day. So between those two, I think those are are really good points. Yeah. So any other tidbits you want to tell the listeners or anything you think we may have forgotten? Yeah, I would say in general, if you can, I mean, just pick people's brains. I mean, talk to people. If you've got buddies who are injured, obviously you care if they're healthy or not, but just ask them like, hey, where did you go? You know, who, what doctor did you use? What did you try? And start putting together um, that network or that um, support system so that you know, okay, you know what, for, um, for an, you know, orthopedic doctor, hey, there's this doctor in the area, um, hey, this is a place you can go for physical therapy. Actually, on the physical therapy note, I should also mention, a lot of these places will allow you to come in for a free 20-minute evaluation. So you don't need a doctor's script or anything, but you can just make an appointment and drop by and describe your symptoms. They'll do a quick evaluation and tell you, hey, here's what I think's wrong with you. And they'll typically be able to point you back to um, you know, a doctor. They obviously work with doctors, but a, a, a qualified doctor if you don't have one. But that's a nice little way to quickly get a grasp on something. If you're not quite sure, you can talk to somebody who's seen hundreds of runners before and get a quick evaluation. And then with that too, you know, if you want to try the massage therapy route, you know, find that massage therapist, but put together all those people that are in your system. Um, I mean, even the the person at the local running store to fit you with running shoes, um, you know, put all that together because they're just all pieces of the puzzle. So we were talking about earlier, there's, there's constantly studies that, it, studies and trends that go against one another. I think if you look at shoes, Brian, wouldn't you say, I mean, that pendulum, it went from moderately cushioned, born to run came out and everybody ran out and, you know, bought their, bought their Vibrams. Is that how you pronounce it? I think so. <laughs> I've never been able to say it right. No. So basically running barefoot. I think we all know a few people who got caught up and, you know, went out there body wasn't used to it, too much stress and had problems. But now the super cushioning's coming in and you're seeing the pendulum swing all the way to the other end. Um, but go talk to the, you know, the folks at the running store, see if, you know, maybe for you, the super cushioning or the minimal uh, cushioning, maybe, maybe those are uh, parts of the solution for you to stay healthy, for you to stay, um, you know, more competitive. But yeah, just build that out because the worst thing, at least that I, in my experience, if, if you get, if you're prepared, you don't want to, you don't want to plan on the injury, but at least if you're prepared, you know, you've, you've kind of, you have those things in your Rolodex, you, you have those resources. So if something comes on, you can go and you can, you know, consult with somebody or get an appointment with someone and, and not sit, sit there and let days or weeks go by and not address the problem. Yeah, that's great advice. So anything else before we go? No, just don't get injured. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best advice you could have given. That's right. Don't, don't let injury happen. So I think with that, we'll wrap it up. As always, you can follow Joe on Twitter. He's at McRunner26. And you can follow me at RunGooseRun. Until next week, keep your shoes tied and your feet moving.
Want more info on the podcast? Head over to milesnotincluded.com. Are you on Twitter? We are too. Find us at MNI Podcast. Any questions, comments, or even like to be a guest on the show? Hit us up at podcast at milesnotincluded.com. Thank you.